if all of the shepherds went and probably one of them stayed back probably someone was like no you guys go on ahead I'll catch up yeah someone should probably keep an eye on you know the sheep (laughs) I'm happy to do it these aren't great walking shoes anyway but send me a picture and they were like are you sure she was like yeah Bethlehem is really far I don't have pajamas or extra underwear I haven't downloaded podcasts I don't have trail mix or mace My phone's dying, it's freezing, I don't have that mask that covers my face. If a shepherd did stay back, I wonder if she had FOMO. (laughs) What were they doing? What didn't she know? Did they already have inside jokes from the road trip? Would they get Bethlehem hats? Would they post about it? Would this be the thing that would keep her outside of the inner ring? The memory they talked about even when they grew old? Would they forget about her back home in the cold? Would they come back and tell her what they saw? And maybe one of them stayed back because she didn't want to become a certain kind of shepherd. You know the ones. See a star and they run, tell everyone they've got the greatest thing under the sun. And if you don't believe them or if you believe something else, they get aggressive and narrow and kind of exclusive. They march and make signs and they get on TV and you think that's not the kind of person I want to be. And you can't help but wonder why they don't look half as beautiful as the star that they're under. And the star seems like its light is over all of us, but the star people make it seem like it's just for some of us. Maybe if you just looked at the star for yourself, but then you'd have to be near everybody else. Who come let us I wonder if one of the shepherds watched her friends go and thought, they'll be back before long. A spectacle without any substance. A fable to make you feel better about what's not and what wasn't. And sure, we'd all like to believe there's a star lighting the way. 
sure we'd all love to believe that someday the sky will just shatter and it'll turn out that Tuesdays really matter and transformation is possible and you'll learn you're not random and your questions aren't silly and your quirks are quite holy and that there is a way to live well and that you were forgiven that time that you fell and that you are loved even if you don't make good money or write new laws or fit into your jeans and none of your jokes are funny and that goodness is something that's not that far off. I mean, that would be awesome. I can see why the other shepherds took off. But when I actually look at our flock, when I see the hungry sheep, the herding sheep, the sheep that have more and the sheep that have less, the flock divided, I mean, you don't have to look close to see it's an absolute mess. The fat tails and the small tails won't graze together. The long wolves starve the short wolves. And every December, the various breeds go to war over differences they can't forget to remember. Did the shepherds see the refugees, earthquakes, hurricanes, Las Vegas, Sinai, Sutherland Springs, Charlottesville, predators, wildfires, everything is burning. Did they read a single newspaper and come away discerning that a light that shines in a way you can't miss over a world as broken as this is possibly real? Is possibly good? Is anything that could ever be remotely understood? Maybe one of the shepherds just stayed home because although she didn't want to be alone, she didn't want to be with people either. She wanted to be with one person. Did she go home to her cabin with an empty chair to look at where someone she loved more than anything once sat? I don't know if I can come. I can hardly move. I see the star and I hear your trumpet. Can you come if you're not faithful, joyful, or triumphant? I will say, I mean, it is, it is something to behold. The kind of thing that makes you feel like, oh, I have a soul. And then it sort of starts to pull. But if I did go, I don't know, isn't it awkward a bit to be at the bedside? I mean, even if they let you be with someone who's just given birth, who's never even met you, just so that what, I can come and behold him? Does that mean, wait a sec, will he behold me? Will he look at me and actually see what I've done, what I've said, what I've thought? what I've risked, what I've written, what I've drank, what I've bought, how I've screamed, how I've wept, how I've wasted my time, and yet how I've hastened, how I've done nothing but hurry, how my default setting is hurry and worry, or how I've gone all in, how I've flourished and then how I've fallen, how good I am at talking the talk, how I'm largely responsible for the sad state of my flock, who I've shunned, who I've hurt, who I've loved, who I've lost. Will he behold me? How much will that cost? I wonder if one of the shepherds stayed back, didn't go right away with the rest of the pack. Did she miss her chance? There was so many reasons not to go. I wonder if she held to her no. I wonder if she stayed in the dark and hid or if she took one more look. I wonder what she saw if she did. 
to say Merry Christmas to you, Soul City Church. Our heart, our hope, our desire is that you would not stay back, that you would not hold back, that you would not miss out on all that God has for you this Christmas. And even as I say those words, Merry Christmas, my hunch is they mean something different to you this year than they did last year. The context that those words find you in um, may not be what you would have picked, may not be what you would have expected, what you would like to control, but I offer them to you nonetheless. Merry Christmas. There is hope and there is joy and there is light and there is peace and it's found in a little manger in a little town called Bethlehem. And I just don't want any of us to miss that this Christmas. So I'd love to pray for us as we get into our message today. Will you pray with me? God, thank you for the invitation, a light that lit up the sky 2,000 years ago is a light that still draws us to you to see the light of the world, your son, Jesus, born so that we might live. And however this Christmas may find us, I pray that right now you would help us to show up, to lean in, to be present to all that you have for us, to come and see who it is you long for us to be this Christmas. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, let me say it again to you. Merry Christmas, Soul City Church. And that's when you say, Merry Christmas. Good. We got like a day left, so we'll get that one right. Merry Christmas. It's good to see you. You look fantastic. Well done. You look great. Those of you uh, who are in our overflow space or who are watching literally around the world online right now, Merry Christmas to you. It's good to be with you. My name is Jarrett Stevens, and I'm one of the lead pastors here at Soul City Church. And I, if you know me, know I love uh, this time of year. I love Christmas. I love Christmas music. Anyone here else, like love Christmas music? Yeah? Anyone ready for Christmas music to be done? Okay, yeah, I'm coming beyond. That's why we're all welcome here. All right, good. I love the Christmas movies. You only get to watch one time a year. I love all of the Christmas traditions that we do. I love uh, Christmas decorations. Just again, raise your hand if you've got Christmas decorations up in your house right now and you're going to keep them up as long as possible. Isn't that amazing? You keep these things in storage for like 11 months out of the year and pull them out just for one month. But that's what we do to help us remember, to remind us of how important, how significant. Uh, this season is. One of the things that we have up in our house, our house is decorated for Christmas, and one of the things is a nativity scene. I don't know if you have a nativity scene in your house or grew up with one in your house or out front of your house, but uh, we have one uh, that's actually been handed down several generations on Jeannie's side of the family. In fact, I brought a picture of it I want to show you. Uh, this is a very, very, very old uh, nativity scene. Jesus lost his nose sometime in the 60s, the 70s. We're not exactly sure when he lost his nose. The donkeys had multiple surgeries. There's a popsicle stick holding one of his legs together. And I don't know if you can see this in the back. There's a little cow just seeing him playing it cool back there. That's because he only has two legs. He has just two legs. Uh, so we call him half and half. He's just kind of in the back. Just sort of chilling back there, leaning up against the wall. Uh, we love having this. It's a great reminder of the Christmas season. And uh, there are, I should say this though, there are a lot of people that do nativity scenes, but that does not mean that all nativity scenes are created equal. There are some people who take great liberties with their nativities. And I wanted to show you a few to inspire you maybe. And these are ones that you can actually do at home. If you've seen this one before, we showed it a couple years ago. 
This is the hipster Christmas. Uh, it's a, a very millennial Christmas. Uh, you got to love Amazon Prime is there, and you got to love Joseph taking a, a selfie right there in that moment. Not going to miss that. Hashtag newborn king. So it's a, it's a very... That's inspiring. There's another one, this time of year especially, and I don't just mean Christmas, I mean uh, the Star Wars time of year. This one is actually very inspiring to me. It's a Lego Star Wars nativity with Yoda as baby Jesus. So that's one take on the story. Uh, and now this next one I think I find incredibly sacrilegious, and I think it offends the heart of God. I want to show it uh, to you. It's a kitty cat Christmas nativity, and y'all know how God feels about cats. I don't need to say anymore about that. The next one is one that I saw for the first time this year. Maybe you saw it too. I'd never seen this before, but it's a stroke of genius. Check this one out. This is actually uh, the DeLorean from Back to the Future <laughs> crashing into the nativity. That's pretty great. You got to admit that's, you can laugh at that. It's okay to laugh at that in church. That's actually uh, pretty amazing. And then this last one is inspiring on multiple levels. One, to look at, uh, but two, to eat. This is actually the meat lovers nativity scene. <laughs> Made entirely of sausage, bacon, and sauerkraut. I think this is what Jesus had in mind. That is the meat lover's nativity. Oh my gosh. Some of you, though, are going to be inspired by that. Uh, no, ha- no matter how funny or weird or borderline offensive uh, a nativity scene is, there is something that they actually do all have in common. And it's what you see everyone in the nativity scene doing as they gather around and lean in and focus their attention on Jesus. That's what a nativity scene is really supposed to do. It's an invitation to help you focus your attention on Jesus, to come and see uh, who he is, to come and see what God has done, to come and see the one who's come, God's only son, so that you and I could actually have life in him. But as important as things like nativity scenes are, and as significant, as spiritually significant as this time of year is, uh, if we were to be really honest, so often in the chaos of Christmas, it's so easy to miss the point of Christmas. It's so easy to stay busy, to keep running, to be distracted from this party to that party, got to hop on a plane, got to go here. And so you can really miss what is at the heart of Christmas. And so the question I want us to consider for the next few moments is how do you not miss this Christmas? How do you not miss this Christmas? How do you not miss all that God wants you to see and all that God longs for it to be for you this Christmas? How do you experience what he has for you this Christmas? One of the best ways to do that is to actually gather around, like the nativity, to gather around the story of Christmas. And maybe for you, Christmas has just been kind of run and gun all the way up to this point. You haven't even really stopped to slow down, to lean in, to reflect on the reality of this miracle story of God sending his son to our world to be born for us. And so what I want to do for the next few moments is just read to you a portion of the Christmas story. You don't have to read along. You don't need to grab a Bible, but there is going to be some homework at the end around the story. So get excited about homework. Um, But for now, let me just read to you this story. Luke uh, chapter two tells the story of the birth of Jesus. We'll start in verse eight. It says this, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Now, what we see here kind of towards the beginning of this story is the most unsuspecting characters awaiting the most unexpected arrival 
of the greatest king this world has ever seen. The story starts here with shepherds who were sort of at the bottom of the social order in their world. They were not highly regarded uh, shepherds. In other words, they, there weren't a lot of uh, Evites in their inbox, if you know what I'm saying. Not a, a lot of friend requests on Facebook. Not a lot of people had a lot to do with shepherds. But this is where God begins to unfold the story of the birth of his son. Verse 9, it says that an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were what? They were terrified. And you would be too. You would, I would be too. If an angel just appeared, God's glory filled up that lowly, lonely hillside, I would be afraid. But, verse 10, the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I need to pause here. I forgot to tell you the rules. If you're new around here at Soul City Church, lots of times when I read from the Bible, I'll pause at different moments, and that's a chance for you to shout back the next word. Does that make sense? So I pause. It's not like I've lost my place. It's I want you, all of you, adults, kids, to shout back the next word. And it does two things. It engages you in the story of Christmas, and then it lets me know who's awake and who's still with me in this. So when I pause, you shout out. Does that make sense? Yeah, good. Okay, so, and the answers are on the board, so really, no one can fail at this test. All right, so let me do that again. So an angel uh, 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 of the Lord appeared to them. The glory of the Lord shone around them. They were terrified. But it says, the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you what? Good news. I bring you good news. This is good news. You don't have to be afraid. God is about to do something in your midst that's never been done before. This is good news that will cause great what? Great Joy. joy. Now, wait a second. Say the word joy like you actually mean it. It will cause great joy. It will cause great joy for who? For all people, all the people. Now, this is an important message. God doesn't want anyone to miss the good news of great joy that will be for all people, all people. And if you wonder if God really means it, does he really mean me? Does he really mean people like me? Is it really for all people? Look at who he starts with. Shepherds, outcasts. He said, I'm going to start with you and tell you this great news, great joy for all people, for all people, young and old, wealthy and poor, religious and irreligious, those who think they're in, those who think they're out. It's for all people, including you, including me. That's the message of Christmas. It's good news of great joy for all people. And then the angel went on to give some details. Verse 11, today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, the long awaited, the promised one of God. And this will be assigned to you. Here's how you'll know. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. In other words, come and see. Come and see what God has done. Come and see for yourself, how God has made himself available to you, to all people, that love incarnate has been born today. And then look what happens. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace on whom his favor rest. One angel, already they're terrified. Now there's a whole sky filled with angels declaring God's goodness, singing praises to God. And then when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, we should probably go to Bethlehem to see this thing that's happened, which the Lord told us about like literally 30 seconds ago. We should probably go and see. The angel's invitation 
come and see their response. Let's go and see for ourselves what God has done. So it says they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. Now just pause real quick. Kudos to the shepherds. Because if we're being really honest, the directions that the angels gave, shoddy at best. (laughs) You'll find a baby in some cloths. Good luck. And they did somehow. The light led them right to where Jesus was. And they just burst into the scene. They just showed up there in that moment. And for those of you who've ever had a baby or you know someone who's had a baby, those first couple moments after the baby's born, that's a really tender time. That's a really special, sacred time. You don't want just anyone barging in like that. You know that if, if, if you just had a baby or someone you know just had a baby, there are like some uh, unspoken rules about visiting someone after having a baby, right? The first is call ahead. Just let them know that you're coming. That always helps. The next is if you're going to go, bring a gift. That's always nice. Or bring a meal or preferably bring both. It's always a good thing to do. And the third thing is wash your hands. Just what? Now, some people are more particular about this than others, but wash your hands before holding a brand new baby. The shepherds did none of these things. They just barged right in as complete strangers. Remember, they were just out in the field with livestock. And then they just come right in, and I can imagine one of them saying, can I hold him? Can I hold him? And Mary's like, seriously, we're doing this? That Can you imagine that? But they couldn't be held back. They didn't want to miss what God had done. And so to the invitation, come and see, they went and there they were. And while the Bible doesn't tell us much of what they did while they were there in that first nativity scene, it does tell us what they did immediately afterwards. Verse 17, when they had seen him, look at what they did. They spread the word concerning him about what had been told uh, about, uh, what had been told about them to the, about this child. Let me say that again. I got all lost in that sentence. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. As soon as they saw what God had done, they went out and began to tell everyone the same thing that the angels said to the shepherds, come and see. The shepherds then went and said to everyone, come and see. Come and see what God has done. You'll never believe how he's made himself so vulnerable, so available, so knowable to you. They could not contain the joy that had come from seeing God's only son. And that impulse to do that is something that you actually have in you as well. All of us actually do. That desire, when you, when you experience something great, something that you love, that desire to share with others is in you, isn't it? Like, think about it. You see a great movie, you can't help but talk about, oh, you got to see this movie. Oh, it's such a great movie. you got to go see this movie. Or maybe you read a great book. Oh, you got to read this book. It's such a great book. A friend's going on a trip. Here, take this book with you. I wasn't asking for books. Take this book with you. You know, you can't help yourself, right? You come to a great restaurant, you got to share that Russia, you've got to eat this place. It's so amazing. In fact, a couple uh, weeks ago, a friend was coming into Chicago for just a couple days and emailed me and said, hey, I'm going to be here just for a couple days. Anything I should do or anywhere I should eat. And my heart lit up. I wait for these moments because I have like a full Excel spreadsheet of all the things you're supposed to do when you come to Chicago. I'll map your whole trip out for you. And so I began to say, oh, you got to do this and you got to do that. You don't have to like Navy Pier. Eh." You know, like I kind of told him all the things that you got to do. And then I said, listen, on all the places you've got to eat, you have got to listen, you have got to make time for Portillo's chocolate cake. (laughs) You simply have not had chocolate cake until you've had Portillo's chocolate 
cake. It's, has anyone here had Portillo's chocolate cake? Just by show of hands. Thank you for the double hand raise. Uh, can I get an amen on Portillo's chocolate cake? It is literally amazing. It's so good. In fact, I, I can't even like talk to you about it. I, oh Lord have mercy. Thank you, Jesus. It's a Christmas miracle. It is so good. I could eat it. It is so moist and so flat fluffy and so chocolatey. Listen, I don't even care that the secret ingredient is mayonnaise. I don't care. <laughs> Didn't know that, did you? Secret ingredient is mayonnaise. If putting mayonnaise in chocolate cake is wrong, I don't want to be right. <laughs> I love this cake. I literally, I might just wrap up the message eating this cake. And that's enough for me. It is so stinking good. Has anyone here um, never had Portilla's chocolate cake? Raise your hand if you've never had You've never had portillas? Can you, like, eat cake? <laughs> I don't understand what the problem is here then. Well, that's not right. Here. Here's what we're going to do. Come on up. What's your name? What's your name? Kelly. Kelly, this is God's gift to you this Christmas. <laughs> Portillo's chocolate cake. I want you to actually have a bite right now, Kelly. Go ahead. Take a bite. <laughs> it's your birthday, too. Hey, happy birthday, Kelly. Well, this is amazing. Okay. Kelly, be honest. So good. It's so good. It's so good. Happy birthday to you. And here's the great thing. You don't have to share with him if you don't want to. No, don't. Don't. It's awesome. Isn't that so good? Go ahead and enjoy. That's yours to enjoy. I can't, listen, I cannot tell you, like, that's what we do when we experience something that we love. We can't keep quiet about it. And that's what's at the center of the story of Christmas. God said, this is my extravagant love for you. I'm going to make it fully available to you. And I can't keep quiet about it. Angels can't keep quiet about it. Shepherds can't keep quiet about it. The invitation isn't to hear more, to hear more, to hear more, to read more. It's to just come and see, to taste for yourself what God has done, how he's given his only son, born that we might live how he's made a way, how he's made a new day for you and for me. If we would just come and see. And when you do, when you experience that, my hunch is your response will be the same as the shepherds. You want to share it with the people around you. You want to share it with the people you care about. In fact, I would argue that that's one of the best ways to not miss this Christmas. The best way to not miss Christmas is to find a way to share this Christmas. To find some way to just share this Christmas. Like God has shared his love with you. To come and see for yourself and then to share it with others. And so I mentioned to you earlier about a little homework. Here's the homework for you. And anyone can do this. Anyone can do this. What I want to encourage you to do is to tonight or at some point before the day ends tomorrow to gather around with those people that you care about, you're celebrating Christmas with, gather them around, and I want you to read Luke chapter two together. Just Luke chapter two. It's the story of Jesus' birth. That's your homework. If you don't have a Bible or own a Bible, there should be a Bible under your seat. You can steal it from our church. Nothing would make us happier than you stealing a Bible at Christmas from us because we don't want anyone to miss this. And as you gather around and read the story of what God has done, as you come and see for yourselves, my hope is that this Christmas will find you right where you're at and that Jesus will be born again 
for you. I don't know the context, the circumstances to which you're coming into this Christmas. As I think about my friends, people I care about and how they're coming to this Christmas, the thought of gathering around and reading this story. I think of dear friends of mine who, uh, family has been a part of our church for a while. Just this week, lost someone they love, a wife, a daughter, a sister, an auntie, a friend. And I stood on the stage with them yesterday, celebrating her life, but grieving that we don't have her bright light in this world anymore. And as they gather around this story of Christmas this year, my prayer, my hope for them is that the hope of Jesus would be born again for them this Christmas. That they would come and see that it was into a dark day that God sent his bright light of his son. And that hope, even like a flicker of a candle, would be born again in them this Christmas. I think of a friend of mine who is going through a divorce right now. His marriage, his family is unraveling right before his very eyes. This will be the first Christmas that they won't all be together like they have been in the past. And as he reads this story, Luke chapter 2, as he comes to see for himself, my hope and my prayer is for him that he would see that Jesus really is his Prince of Peace, that he would get that, that Jesus was born into this world to bring peace that's not of this world. And that even as his life, his circumstances around him are not what he would have planned, that peace can still be born again this Christmas. I think about friends of mine who are brand new parents, brand new parents, a little baby in their house for the very first time, and they are filled with joy and scared out of their minds. All the excitement, all the anxiety that comes from having a brand new baby. They're wondering if they're ever going to sleep in heavenly peace ever again, <laughs> if that's still possible for them. And I pray for them as they read together as a new expanded family as they read this story together that they would be reminded of the rest, the silence, the stillness of that first Christmas. Despite an interruption from shepherds, that intimate stillness of that new family, that Christmas. Maybe that's what you need to be born in you this Christmas. But you'll miss it. You'll run right past it unless you choose to come and see, to slow down and be with the story of Christmas. So that's our homework. That's our challenge uh, together. And what we're going to do now is just take a moment to respond to the reality of a God who gives, a God who gave first, a God who gave everything. Uh, in a moment, we're going to respond by singing to God and by giving back to God. It's something that we love to do. We joyfully do here at Soul City Church. And I wanted to let you know that 
uh, this year, all of our giving across all of our Christmas gatherings is actually going to completing out, finishing out this Transformation Center. And it's so fun to have our first Christmas gatherings in this space. And did you know that, yeah, you can clap for that. I know you already did, but you can clap again. It's okay. The reason that we're able to do that is because there's people who went before you for the last two years who've been prayerfully, faithfully, sacrificially, joyfully giving so that you could come and see this Christmas. They made sure there was a seat for you. Isn't that cool? Without even knowing you. And so we have a little ways to go to finish out our financial commitment to finishing up this space. And so all of our giving this Christmas, our year-end giving is going towards that. So if you feel compelled to give towards that in any way, uh, there should be an envelope under your seat that you can grab and mark that as a way of giving towards completing this transformation center. And I want to just say a word uh, about this, about giving a year-end gift like this to extending the work of Soul City Church. Uh, If you're a guest here, you're new around here, you came on the arm of a family member, we do not expect you to give. That would like be like inviting you to our house for dinner and then giving you a bill at the end of it. Like, why would we do that? We would never do that. This is all of our gift to you. So if you're new around here, you're a guest here, we don't expect you to, to give. We expect you to receive from those who gave before you. But I should say, maybe you are here on the arm of a friend and you've seen how God has changed their life, how he's changing their life. They're not the same person they were last Christmas. You've seen what God has done through this place, through the people that make this place what it is. And so you, you may feel compelled to give because you don't need me to put pictures up or slides up on the screen, stats. You've seen what we're up to in this person's life. Or maybe it's a family member, someone you care about. Your kids go here. Talk to a mom after the last church service who's just so grateful that her very adult son had found this church, had found community here, serves here. And so maybe you would feel compelled to give to that because you've seen what is happening in their life. Whatever you give, why you give, that's really between you and God. We just want to give you an opportunity to give back to the God who has given us everything, who did not hold back from us. So in a moment, we're going to receive our year-end gift as we joyfully give to God. But what I'd love to do is actually uh, pray for us before we do that and move into a time of worship and responding to God and some really special uh, traditions that we have at our church. So will you join me in a prayer right now? God, I pray that you would help us do what the shepherds did, come and see. And God, I know that we are coming from all different kinds of contexts and circumstances in our lives, God, and I think of the highest highs and the joy of life and how we come to this Christmas and it's easy to celebrate. And God, I think of those, my heart is heavy and broken with those who are coming with sad and heavy hearts as they come to Christmas. Whatever the context is that we come to this Christmas, we know that you have something for us, a gift for us of hope, of peace, of rest, of new life. And so, Jesus, thank you that you keep giving. Your birth, life, death, and resurrection is what gives us life. And you keep giving, and you keep giving. And so, God, I pray you'd help us come and see and receive and be all that you long for us this Christmas. Thank you, God, for sending your son. And it's in the name of our newborn king that we pray.
Amen.